Hey there, language lovers. Shannon Kennedy here, co-host of the Language Hacking Podcast, along with Benny Lewis. In this episode, we're chatting with Anya Winter of Learn German with Anya, a German language educator and online personality. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss incorporating movements into language learning, tips for getting into the online teaching space, making German grammar fun, and using dialogues to learn languages. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, we appreciate your reviews. You can let us know what you think over at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, you'll find all the links, resources, and tips mentioned in this episode in the show notes for this podcast. Now let's get on to our interview with Anya. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 53. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. Uh, I'm joined with my co-host, Shannon, as always. And today we are interviewing Anya Winter. And Anya is a really cool language um, encourager online. I've met her a couple of times as she traveled and at uh, Polyglot events and she has a huge YouTube channel, almost 800,000 subscribers, and um, she's published a book. I happen to have that book with me right here. Oh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you bought my book? Oh, of course nice. I did. Yeah. The <laughs> 55 best German idioms. So she is very well known for uh, Learn German with Anya. And she has an amazing personality, very bubbly, very energetic as she encourages people to learn German. So I was so happy that she could join us today to share her story of how she got into encouraging people to learn German. So thank you so much for joining us, Anya. Thank you for having me, Benny. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and also nice seeing that you bought my book, actually. Oh, I, of course. I, I, of I course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I would love to hear from your perspective, like, how did this all start? How did you get into learn German with Anya, what, what began the YouTube channel and your, um, your whole project of, of helping people with German? Sure. So actually, I have a background in business. I studied international business administration, um, a bachelor's degree. And after I finished that, I just didn't know what to do with my life, to be honest. I, I was unsure. And then I just booked a one-way ticket to Thailand. For some reason, I thought like Southeast Asia is going to help me figure it out. And it actually did. Because at some point I traveled for about half a year in Southeast Asia, and then I ended up broke. And I applied for business jobs, but I got rejected over and over again. And then I thought, okay, I just need to find any job. And it's pretty fairly easy to get a teaching job in Thailand. So I started teaching English and German in a university. Uh, actually, a guy in my hostel, he was like, yeah, Anya, they're looking for a German teacher. You can just apply there. So I went there. I applied. They were like, yeah, we can give you two jobs, teaching English and German. So I started teaching both languages and that, that went on for a few months. And also I started teaching on italki. You know, probably you guys know italki, no? So I started teaching there. And at some point I thought, yeah, I, 
I would like it to be more efficient, you know, because in the classroom you teach for maybe two hours or something and then you leave. Your students can review it at home. It's only when you're there physically, they learn something and then kind of maybe with homework and then it's over. So and so at some point in the middle of the night, I had this idea, oh, my God, I'm going to upload videos because they can watch it at any time. They can review what they learned in class. They can watch it as many times as they as they want and from anywhere they want. So I thought, yeah, this is a great idea. And that's why I started uploading videos. And also I was surrounded by digital nomads in Thailand. And I was in Chiang Mai. Have you guys been there? Maybe you guys know Chiang Mai. Yeah, Benny, yes. Yeah. And so, and I was surrounded by digital nomads. They were all making money online. And I thought, yeah, it would be cool to do the same. And then I started realizing, yeah, with YouTube, I can make money. And from there, I just started growing it. That's basically the story. So from being broke to being a real teacher in the classroom, I started my YouTube channel and it just took off. Yeah, that's a short summary, no. <laughs> so um, Anya, I know one of the ways that you really like to teach is incorporating body movements and mm -hmm. kinesthetic learning. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you discovered that to be a good tool for teaching and learning? I just think it's always good to think about the student, you know, when you're teaching anything and lots of people, they like when there is some movement singing or something, which is just not so dry, not so normal. And that's why I always uh, put that in there, like in my videos and also in the classroom, I would always play a lot of games and do sing songs, whatever just is enjoyable for the students. And I mean, if I thought about when I think about my students that I had in uh, my teachers that I had in high school, lots of them were kind of boring and normal. And so I easily got bored. And that's why I wanted to do that different from them. You know, I always thought I want to be an exciting teacher and energetic and, and do fun stuff. And I, I, I have that experience. And uh, like I learned German in secondary school myself. Mm -hmm. And I found it boring and I didn't yeah. really have anything to show for it. Yeah. And I think German, especially, unfortunately, has this association, maybe because of the, the slightly more, um, the more grammar that people may end up focusing on in school compared to other languages like Latin languages. So what, like how, what would you say to people who, who would think, oh, German, I don't want to learn that. That's, that's a, a language with too much grammar or something like that. What would you say to people like that? Well, actually, first of all, I would say I agree with that. It's a lot of grammar. It's true. I mean, it, it's really not an easy language. But the good thing is it's still a fun language because we have other stuff, which is fun. You know, we can create super long words. We have like funny, lots of funny expressions. That's why I also wrote that book. So we have other things that are enjoyable, but the grammar is tough. Um but there are other ways to learn a language instead of focusing on the grammar. You know, you can just look at fun dialogues, get a feeling for the language. And I think you can make any language fun in the end. You just need the right method and the right teacher. So I, I would agree with that uh, German grammar is difficult, but I would still tell them, give it a go because we have other things that are fun <laughs> and that are enjoyable. So we talked a bit about movement and how that can be fun, but what are some of the other techniques that you like to use to make language learning more fun? Well, yeah, singing, movement, um, then learning in phrases or chunks instead of learning single words. Then 
also like in the future, I want to have a real physical school in Germany. So I will also have them like go out, have a real conversation with people. You know, I think that also helps a lot when it becomes real and not so dry only in the classroom. Um, what else do I do in my videos? I, I mean, I do the craziest. I use the craziest method. Like one of my first videos, maybe you guys have seen it. I sing the alphabet song, A, B, C, D, and I jump on the bed like a crazy person. But it's it's me and it helps, you know. Uh, I still get messages about that. There was also a family, they sent me a video from, I think it was Minnesota or somewhere. And the, the kids were jumping on the bed and singing the alphabet song. They imitated me and they learned German with it. You know, they were like, ah, B, C, D, E, and it's fun for them. So I, I like do whatever comes to my mind. And also, ah, what I also do a lot is now I do a lot of skits or do you call them skits or sketches in English? I don't know. In German, we say sketch but I think it's skit in English now. So I play like two people, they're talking to each other and uh, they are having some fun conversations. So I, I really like your teaching style and it, it really aligns with your personality because like you said, you're the jump on the bed kind yeah. of person. You know? <laughs> yeah. you're, you're the extroverted outgoing kind of person. And I think um, a lot of people, when they get into language learning, the idea they have is I, I got to use the materials that are already there and follow a, a structure of go through chapter one, introduce very slowly, hello, how are you? And go back to kind of traditional teaching methods. So like, did you have any, I, I know that you wouldn't necessarily have had like anxiety, um, too much anxiety to make videos like that, but like, what would you say to other teachers who themselves would love to have a bit more personality and fun in their language, but they feel like, that's just it's they're going to get resistance, whether that be from the schools they work at or maybe people will think that their methods are crazy. Like what do you say to people who struggle with that? I think it's always good not to think about what other people think. You know, it's um, well, it's always easier said than done. And now I also think more about what other people think. But in the beginning, I didn't at all. Like I I just I. I had an idea in my hand and I just did it. You know, I didn't really care about what other people were saying or thinking. So I think that's the best way to start a YouTube channel really, or to start teaching, to just go with your intuition instead of thinking, Oh my God, this person said this, or I shouldn't do this. It's really good not to care about that. I think, and just do what feels right for you. And I think also lots of teachers, Kind of, they are born teachers. So some people, they really have it in them. And when I actually started, I realized, yeah, this is it. This is like my calling. And uh, I think that helps, you know, if you're like a born teacher and you have it in you somewhere and you can follow your intuition without thinking about what other people say. I think that helps a lot. If you just, you know, it, when it feels right and you just do it. That's, uh, I think what I would tell them is not to care about other people, but to really listen to their own intuition. Other than listening to their own inter intuition, what advice would you have for others who are looking to start teaching and getting into the online teaching space? Uh, another advice would be to first start maybe teaching one-on-one -on -one classes online. I think that helps. That's also what I did. And to maybe even teach in a real classroom first. Because it's 
easier to start like that because you get response from your students. You know, you see what works. They ask you questions. It's more interactive. So you kind of get used to really teaching. You see what questions they have. For example, in my videos, I always uh, incorporate questions from real students, you know, because you see, ah, this is a question they keep asking. So you can just answer that in your videos. And I think that's helpful. So I think really teaching one-on-one -on -one classes or group lessons or in a real classroom, that helps a lot to get started. And then you can switch it to the online business. Some people, they just want to get right away. They want to start on YouTube. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I think it's good to be a real teacher first, to be honest. Yeah. So um, presuming somebody has that experience of, uh, of really teaching. And then, of course, on YouTube, it's got its own learning curve. And I think one of the things that you really have to do is be posting consistently. But like other than that, like what uh, what lessons did you learn in terms of creating an online business and actually being able to monetize these followers that you had so that they could support your travels and your lifestyle? Yeah, actually, one huge lesson was that YouTube is very different from business. At least for me, it was very, YouTube is one thing. You are like creative. You can make money from ads and all that. It's not that much, but you can make some money from that. At some point you can live from it. You know, I was, I remember one of my goals was like, just when I was still living in Thailand, 1000 euros per month. It's not that much, but for me, it was like, yeah, I can survive with that. Let me do that. And at some point I reached that from ads and Patreon, you know, you guys probably also know Patreon. But then if you really want to build a business, it's, it's a different thing, in my opinion, you know, then you need a sales funny, all of a funnel, all of a sudden you need to look into marketing. Maybe you want to hire some people and it's a whole different mindset you need from as a YouTuber, you're kind of doing your own thing. You can do whatever you want. You're creative, you upload, you don't really have to do marketing. It's very different from having a business. And for me, the business part was really difficult. And I hired like now, right now I have two business coaches and it helps me so, so much because I just hiring people. I think it's not that easy doing the marketing, all this stuff, the technology and everything. So I th for me, a big lesson was to kind of separate them and to be able to tackle also the business side. And for that, I needed a lot of help. Uh, yeah. With YouTube, it was fine. I could Google a lot, manage myself, just do follow my intuition. With business, it was different. So I would actually also uh, recommend people to just ask, basically ask for help. Uh, you know, as message Benny, find a business coach, whatever, ask for help. I think that's really important, especially when you want to grow. For me, at least. I think some people, they also maybe know it intuitively how to do it. But I think the majority doesn't know how to do it. And then just asking is really important. So as you said, there's really two sides of teaching online. There's like the business aspect and then the actual teaching portion. So now that we've kind of gone through more of the business aspects, let's go through some of the more teaching aspects. Like, for example, where do you find inspiration for some of the ideas that you come up with for the things that you teach online? Actually, there are some... Sometimes I use just traditional methods. I actually really look in, in grammar books, what they teach. And then I try to make it different and fun. And uh, I try to explain it more easily. 
or I look at other YouTubers for inspiration. Sometimes I look at comments from my students and see, oh, they, they keep asking about reflexive verbs, for example. So yeah, let me just uh, cover that topic now. So there are different ways I look at it. And also now I have a team. They also come up with a lot of ideas. So they are like, Anya, they keep asking this in, in our, I have an, a German academy and some questions they keep asking. So I'm like, okay, let's just do that topic now. The good thing is, at, I think at some point, maybe in a few years, I, I, I will have covered all the grammar topics. I hope so, at least. And then maybe I will just do what's fun or I will replace some old videos and re-record them. So that that's cool. I think about like being in the education space that at some point you might have just covered everything and then you can do the same topics again. And, uh, and also they are timeless, you know, uh, people still, they watch my videos. They, I posted them five years ago and they are still learning German with them. And I think that's pretty cool in the education. There's some other topics, you know, you have to be up to the newest times and then it's out of date in education. Usually they can rewatch old videos. So I think that's cool. So how do you go about making uh, grammatical topics fun or interesting for people? Oh, yeah, that's pretty hard. <laughs> it's actually pretty hard. Usually what we are doing right now is we use a lot of skits. So short dialogues where two people talk and then we put the grammar topic in there and then I analyze the grammar bits of it. And that's our students like this a lot because it's real life dialogues and it covers the grammar and it's fun and not too dry. So this is like kind of the method I found right now. We've been doing that for about a year or something and our students love the dialogue. So, yeah. And otherwise with grammar, sometimes with pictures or some funny comment, but with grammar, it's not so easy. Yeah, it's it's one of the harder ones. It's much easier with expressions or with vocabulary to make it fun than with grammar. Yeah. You know that probably, no, you've also seen that. But I mean, also some people, they also really enjoy grammar. I also, for example, me, I like studying grammar. So that's the easiest part, but it's harder to find a method to make it fun for people who hate grammar. That's pretty tough. And then I think it's good to teach with dialogues or with phrases or something like that, instead of just having dry grammar. So aside from struggling with grammar, you've probably encountered a lot of really common problems amongst German language learners. So what are some of the most common kind of stumbling blocks that you've seen in German learners and how do you help them overcome those stumbling blocks? So yeah, for sure, from my experience, the biggest challenge is grammar. Yes, that's that's the number one. Second one is also motivation and just keeping at it, you know, uh, discipline, having a structure and so on. This is something where in my academy, we have like a 10 week challenge. So we help them to stick to, to learning for 10 weeks, which is really helpful because then they know there is a time limit, you know, if I do it 10 weeks and it's a challenge, it sounds more exciting than a course. Usually challenges is always like, yeah, I'm going to challenge myself. Let me do it. And so that becomes more exciting for them. So this is the motivation part. Then, I mean, me as a teacher is also pretty nice because student, because I am so energetic, so it's easier for them to keep at it than if it's very boring and dry. So yeah, I would say grammar, motivation, what is another thing? 
I think those are probably the biggest ones that I've encountered so far. Pronunciation is is not it's fairly easy in in German, I would say. What have you guys noticed in German? I mean, you guys also know, no? It's usually grammar, right? That's that's what I keep noticing. Yeah, my my problem was always um, feeling intimidated to feel like I I'm not ready to speak because there was always too much grammar. Yeah, to definitely. to hold me back. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I've, I always found, like you said, the German way of, of forming vocabulary. That's that always fascinated me. I always found yeah. that <laughs> logical and like straightforward. But then when you're speaking, you reach that roadblock of, oh no, should I use the genitive or the dative here? Uh, maybe I shouldn't say anything, and and that kind of is what what stops you. Exactly, overthinking. Yeah, overthinking the grammar. I think so. That's also something what you always talk about, Benny, you know, the willingness to make mistakes. I think that's very important and to just get a feeling for the language and then just say it and uh, talk, start talking. I think that's very important. Yeah. And have you applied this uh, in because, of course, you, you know, like you said, you're a digital nomad. So you've had the chance to go visit other countries as you've uh, been learning other languages yourself. What's your experience been with that? Ah, yeah. So the first language I learned was in the U.S. I lived in the U.S. for a year um, in, in Minnesota. Actually, I couldn't choose the state because I got a scholarship. So I, I ended up in Minnesota for a year. Uh, was like was a good experience. I wouldn't really go back, I think, because it's really cold there, uh, especially in the winter. So but uh, learning English. I think the best thing was really for me to be kind of forced to learn it, you know, because once you're in the country and you can't, they, they don't speak your language, then at some point you have to speak it. So that was in English was also the hardest language for me to learn, actually, because uh, it was the first one, you know, and I was really shy of making mistakes. I Oh, it was really difficult, actually, in the beginning, I remember. And then I lived in Mexico for half a year, uh, learning Spanish. Again, I was also really uh, shy in the beginning, but um, I told my Mexican friends they spoke English, but I told them to speak Spanish to me. And they did, and that forced me just to learn it. And I think that's a really good way to... Because then once you have to, I studied Spanish, I went to Spanish class and so on, and I got more and more used to it. And then French was the same thing. I went to French for one year, uh, to France for one year. And there my French roommate also spoke fluent English. But I told her, Julie, now only speak French to me. And she did, really. And that forced me again to to learn the language. So for me, it's kind of... It's also with other things, like with my business and stuff. Once I have to, I can do it. But before that, I'm I'm a pretty lazy ass. Like, sorry, but I'm I'm pretty. I'm like, oh no, you know, like whatever. But once I force myself, or somebody else forces me, I can do it. And and I think that's a good way. But everybody has to find their own way. I mean, some people they might just have enough self discipline to do it by themselves. I don't really. I need to have a goal. I need to be like, no, okay, I'm going to that country. So now I have to learn or now I'm in the country. Nobody speaks English or German with me. So I have to learn the language that that helps me. You know, there is a German saying, it's zu seinem Glück gezwungen werden. It means like to be forced to one's own luck, kind of. So once you're in a situation and, and you have to do it, then you you will kind of like you are happy or lucky in the future because 
you have to do it. So it's just a German saying. I don't know if you have something similar to that in English, but yeah, we we like saying that. And I think it's true. <laughs> Once you have to, you do it. So it sounds like as far as motivation, you have a really good system set up for how you learn your languages. But as far as tools and methods, what have you found for you personally works really well? Uh, dialogues. Actually, dialogues, I learned the same way that I'm teaching my students now with short, funny dialogues. I learned uh, English, French and Spanish with that. But they weren't really funny. It was just simple books with audio and always conversations between two people. And then what I did was always I would pause the audio, repeat after the native speakers, try to remember what the other person answers and then just learn like that. So for me, it's it's dialogues, really listening to real life conversations over and over again. And this is what I'm doing now in my academy. Uh, but they are also funny. And uh, yeah, I prefer that when 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 it's more fun than just dry dialogues. But yeah, I also saw your book uh, on language hacking. I also saw I thought they were funny sometimes a little bit, Benny. Like, there were some little twists which were like <laughs> cute. So I think that's a good method. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Uh, any anything that gives it more personality than um, you know, when I think back on the stories that I had in my German classes in school, it it just that solidified this idea in my mind that German is boring. But of course, when I got the chance to meet real Germans and have conversations with them, and this is why, like yourself, I try to share dialogues that feel a bit more natural, a bit more like what young people are are likely to talk about, gives the language that real feel. Um, and how how do people, I mean, obviously they can check out your academy for German, but what are other ways that people can find dialogues and real conversations, especially when they can't travel to the country? How can they find this uh, online? What what good resources are available? Actually, I also looked for some when I wanted to refresh my Spanish and French, and I didn't find that many dialogues. There. Like there were lots of grammar things and uh, YouTube videos, which are also really helpful. But dialogues, I think for French, there was, for example, French Today. I remember, but for German, I don't really know. Link from Steve Kaufman. I think he also has some dialogues. Then your book. But otherwise, I mean, there's lots of apps like Duolingo and stuff, but, but real life fun dialogues, honestly, I, <laughs> I think my academy is really the best, but I don't want to do any marketing, but really uh, of what I looked at and also lots of my students, like they are saying now, because we only have up until B1 level and they, they keep asking when is B2 level ready? And some of my students, they are like, and I was like, no, it's going to take a while. Maybe you should look somewhere else. And they were like, no, but your dialogues are the best. So I'm just going to wait. They couldn't find anything else. So I don't know. Do you know anything, Benny? Because I would like to also have a look what, what my competition is doing. But I couldn't really find any real fun, short dialogues based all on one continuous story. I, I like my academy, really. <laughs> yeah, generally, I, I just rely on on long form content, and try to split it up, you know, something like a net Netflix shows or, or things like that and just... Uh, replay a small part over and over no definitely i also recommend like netflix shows or movies or something like that the, the difficult thing is for beginners it's really hard and sometimes the netflix subtitles they are really bad 
I think they they don't really match what they're what people are saying and uh, it's it's difficult you know it's it's already difficult German like the, the Netflix uh, show dark or something it's pretty it's for advanced learners like and and I don't even get that show I mean I get it but it's really difficult to get all the connections you know and then watching that in the foreign language might be a bit difficult but it's fun yeah and by the way I want to right now I only have audio and PDFs but I want to film that and also make my own German TV show basically or my own German show and and film that all and then it's going to be really cool i'm excited to do that it's always short skits and they are all based on a story we have really fun characters so i think it's going to be cool but that's in the future we're going to do that but maybe we're going to start this year actually you had mentioned earlier that motivation tends to be a really big challenge for language learners and it's also something that you have struggled with and that's why you have the systems that you've put together to kind of force yourself to learn languages. Um, and you had mentioned that challenges are a good way to help with motivation, but is there anything else or any other techniques that you found really help students who are struggling to stay motivated? I think first of all, it's good to um, focus on, like on one or two materials at a time. But maybe there are different people do it differently. But I found it's better to use one good book or two good books with dialogues or something over and over again than having like 10 apps on your phone. Then you buy 10 different courses. Then you have 10 different tutors. I think then it's really hard to find like one path to go, you know, for me at least. For Spanish, I only had one book and I listened to the dialogues over and over again. And that also gave me a motivation boost because I didn't have to restart. And then I had an app. But when I learned those languages, it was also a bit easier because I, there weren't any smartphones yet. You know, so now if you go into learn Spanish, there are 10 different apps. And then I think it's harder to stick. It depends probably on the person, but I think it's harder if you have 10 apps on your phone to really stick to one program, you know. So I think one Good thing is really to choose one or two materials which are really good and stick to them. Repeat, review, and but Benny, I don't know how you do it. I think it might depend on the type of person you are because some people also like probably different materials. But if you're a beginner, I think it's better to stick to to only a few. Yeah. So that's one thing I think for motivation than what I said before, like forcing yourself or going to the country. Then really figuring out what type of person you are. If you're really social, then get a tutor, get a language partner. You know, if you're more an introvert, go with a book, uh, audio, something like that, do an online course. So then, yeah, whatever type of person you are, then use that. You know, if you're an auditive learner, so you like listening to audio, then do that. Listen in your car and so on. So I think figuring out first what uh, learner type you are is also a good way to stay motivated because then you're going to find the way that suits you and that's fun for you. And then it's easier to keep at it and fun. Definitely having fun. It can mean different things for different people, but um, just having fun with the language is so important. I think with anything. Uh, it, also, if you're in school, you know, I think lots of uh, kids just hated school always because they didn't think of it as fun, you know. But if you, as a teacher or you as, as a language learner, can make it fun, then it's so much easier to stay motivated. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, 
So as uh, as you were saying earlier, you've um, you've really put your personality into your YouTube channel. Really come ac- comes across in your videos, and you've been very open about your entire life. Like how do, how does that feel to put your your life there for like potentially millions of people to see? And like combining that with language learning, it must be a, a weird mixture that you're like both vlogging and educating people. Yeah, um, it actually started because I got sometimes such lovely messages from my students that they love me and love watching my videos. And I got crazy, like there was an abused uh, child also and her mom messaged me and, and she was like, yeah, my daughter, she always watches your videos when she's feeling down because she had such a difficult past and stuff like that. And at some point I started noticing like people really like me kind of as a person. That's why I started uploading um, more things from my personal life. And also because people kept asking and so on. So I started doing that. And I thought it was also an interesting way to teach because if you um, like your teacher as a person, it's also probably easier to learn from them, you know, because then you feel like, ah, I know that person. She showed me something of her personal, of her travels. So now I'm going to listen to her more than if it's just, if there is a clear wall kind of, you know, if you feel like I don't know this person, I, I don't care for them. It's maybe harder to learn from them. At least for me, it was always like that. One of my favorite teachers, she invited us to her house once and we watched the soccer world cup you know the weltmeisterschaft and it was so much fun and then i just had it like i felt like wow she's a real person she's not just a teacher and i had a different connection to her than to all the other teachers so i think it's it's nice uh, if you if you get to know not only the teacher but the person as well and uh, that's why i also opened up to my students about lots of things yeah Well, given that this is the Language Hacking Podcast, one of the questions that we always like to ask our guests is, what is language hacking to you? Oh, wow. What is language hacking to me? I think in in general, it's just a a way to find out how you learn the language the best way, you know, can be any hacking, like what Benny is doing, just starting speaking or finding a way to make it fun, whatever it is. I think it's just a way to find out how can you best learn a new language. And I think anybody can learn a language and you just have to find the way to do it. Absolutely. And uh, in terms of where you see yourself going, you know, as you're, YouTube channel is heading in the direction of a million subscribers. And like you said, you want to establish a school. What other things do you see for your future and what other uh, business projects are you working on? So one of the biggest things is really to film my own German series for learning German. And it's going to be like a whole um, real, like a real series. It's based on a continuous story. And then there will be like fun characters and we explain all the grammar that goes with it. And that's one huge thing. I'm thinking about if it works for German, I also want to do it maybe for other languages in the future. And then uh, invite also people to be cameos, like little uh, guests on the show, like you, Benny, for example, and come in as some character. So that's some, uh, some idea I have. Um, another thing is also that I kind of want to have a whole language uh, school chain 
some, like which maybe in Germany I have to see, but maybe there could be a German language school in Berlin, in Cologne, and in Munich or something. And then we always have fun retreats for language learning. So maybe a ten day retreat. They can come. They have a lot of fun that's important you know like it should be a language school which is based on real life and fun so i want to play a lot of games sing german songs maybe do german karaoke or whatever <laughs> so these are the two main ideas for now for for my business and yeah the thing is also sometimes i wonder how much i want it to grow i there you know some people say it's good to have just a small team of five to ten people then you're not overly stressed it's already stress you know but it's not too much because once you have like maybe a hundred or two hundred employees it's whew. so i have to also decide for myself of how much i want it to grow because i'm i'm not very uh, stress resistant like i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty emotional so <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that to my own health, to be honest, you know, to, if I, yeah. So these things, I have to test how far I want to take it because I, yeah, I would need a really good manager who takes off all the burden from my shoulders. So I don't, I don't go totally crazy. Of course. Yep. Well, you've got a lot of uh, great stuff online for people right now. So of course, in the show notes, uh, people can look you up by searching Learn German with An Anya. Uh, that's A-N-J-A. And uh, they'll find your website. They'll find your YouTube channel. But of course, all of that will be in the show notes. And people can uh, see how to find you and how to get inspiration for learning German from your story. And I'm also starting a kind of personal blog now. It's anyawinter.com. And there I'm also going to write about like my journey of being a YouTuber and how I started the business and where it's going and how people can start if they want to do something similar. So that's also starting now that I'm talking about this. And yeah, let's see what people think and how I can help them. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw that one in the show notes as well. Uh, people should definitely check it out to see more of your story. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed this conversation with you today. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for the invite. And uh, yeah, good luck to all your listeners. And uh, if you want to do something similar or learn German, uh, I'm, you can just message me or Benny and let us know how we can help. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, until the next time, we'll wish everybody a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. Thanks. Bye-bye, guys. At the end of each episode, we like to share a takeaway that we each got from our discussion with the, our guest. And these takeaways are something that you can try out immediately in your own language learning to see how they work for you. So, Benny, what was your takeaway in our discussion with Anya? So I kind of compare myself to other language learners all the time. And I see how people do with their YouTube uploads and Instagram posts. And I've personally felt like, you know... How do these people have the motivation to keep pushing forward with learning languages day after day after day? And I realize Anya and I, we have a lot in common. And I know this from hanging out with her in person. I really like the uh, reference she made to, you know, you're forced to your own luck, that German expression. And uh, I think people listening to this, if they find they compare themselves to other language learners and they feel they don't have that day to day motivation. Uh, something that has helped me tremendously. I mean, it's literally in the title of the blog 
is that I give myself goals. And Anya emphasized that for her, having a real goal to work towards has forced her to have the motivation to learn a language. And this is a really good reminder that once you have to do it, you'll do it, as she said. So um, it reminded me because I, I, like I said, I see other language learners and the others who have the consistency to do it in the long term. I don't have that without a goal. And I think others listening who struggle with motivation could really benefit from having some kind of objective that will force them into their project. What about yourself? I would have to say the one thing that really stood out to me is something that I also talk about quite a bit. And it was that you should limit the resources that you're using. And I think that for a lot of us, there's this tendency to want to catch them all <laughs> and collect all the resources. And, you know, we kind of fall into the comparison traps like, oh, this person's using this and they're doing this and they're so much better than me. So I need to be doing that and I need to be using that. And so we end up with an overwhelming number of resources that we're trying to get through. And in a lot of cases, what that turns into is just busy work and procrastination. So like my favorite thing to say about this is, you know, you have three course books and rather than choosing one and focusing on it and really getting through it, uh, you basically, you do chapter one in one course book, you look at chapter two and you're like, hmm, this is a little difficult. So then you go and you pick up the other course book and you do chapter one and it's like, look at me, I'm doing so amazing with my language learning. And really all you're doing is procrastinating because you're avoiding taking that next step and you just keep going back over the same things, bouncing resource to resource. So you never really give yourself the opportunity to go deep with your language. You just kind of stall out in like that chapter one, two, three section of the language. So by limiting the number of resources that you're using, you force yourself to really deep dive with the language and go to that next step and challenge yourself. And, you know, there's that expression that goes, you're only learning when you're uncomfortable. Um, because if you're comfortable, it means you already know how to do what you're doing. So, you know, limiting your resources forces you to feel that discomfort and push through to that next level so that you really see the progress with the language that you're looking for. So I would say my takeaway would be if you find that you're not making any progress, take a look at just how many resources you're using and cut them down to like that three to five Anya mentioned. All right. As always, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can find all of the tips and resources we discussed in this episode, in the show notes for the podcast, available to you in the description wherever you're listening. And once more, let us know what you think of the Language Hacking Podcast or this episode of the podcast over at languagehacking.com slash review. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.